Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. In business, oftentimes, whether you're an entrepreneur, maybe you're just starting out, or maybe you have your own podcast or your own book, or you're working on something, right? We tend to believe that we're, oh, I need to add a new thing. I'm looking for a new thing. I'm looking, like, how do I, what can I add to the mix? The reality is, that you've got to figure out the stuff you're already doing, how do I make that better? Okay, you tried one time to do a thing and it didn't work. Okay, what went wrong? Have the courage to look at it, make some adjustments, try again. Okay, you want to run a half marathon, but you've signed up twice and you haven't finished the training. Okay, well, what can you do differently? Maybe you sign up and run with a group of people so you've got some accountability. Maybe you get a running coach. Maybe you start watching YouTube videos. Maybe you fill your media feed with ideas so you get inspired every single day. But stop telling yourself that you don't know what to do when you keep doing the same thing. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. Hi, guys. It's Rach. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I got the idea for today's episode from tour actually. I am on tour. I know you guys keep hearing me talk about it, but I'm really freaking proud of this show. It's taken me like a few different city stops to really figure it out, but I am loving what's happening in those rooms. I'm loving getting to hang out with you guys. If you have been to the show, then you know, like it's awesome energy. It's incredible questions from the audience. We're laughing our butts off, like incredible. 
But one thing I have been surprised about that gave me the idea for today's episode is some of the younger women in the room. Now, when I do RISE conferences, we have every age person, right? So we've got women who are in their 60s, 70s, and we've got young girls who are 12 and 16 all the way across the board. But for these particular shows, I guess I thought that I would predominantly have women in the audience who were my age, right? I'm 40 years old. I thought, yes, we'll have people in their 30s and maybe late 20s, 50s, 60s, but it would kind of stay around that area. What I've been surprised to discover is the young women in their 20s, the young women in their teens. The other day, even though the shows are supposed to be 19 plus, the other day I found out that someone had snuck their 16-year-old daughter into the show, which by the way, I was super embarrassed afterwards because I was like, oh my gosh, I talked about my sex life in front of the 16-year-old. But I didn't know she was in the room and she said she loved it and it was so helpful. So, you know, whatever. But I guess I've just been surprised by the younger women. And one of the questions that I get so much from that age group is like, what do you wish you would have known at 20? You know, what advice would you give to your 18-year-old self? And I've definitely done episodes about that and talked about that before. But the idea I had today were things that I wish I knew were true. So today's episode is 10 Harsh Truths. I wish I had known sooner. So it doesn't really matter if you are 20 or if you are listening to this at 53 because it's just stuff that I wish I had understood about the world or life or relationships a lot sooner. It would have saved me so much heartache, so much pain, a lot of making things harder than they needed to be, a lot of relationship mistakes that I made, just like all sorts of different angles on this one. And I say harsh truths because these are the kind of lessons that when I finally figured them out, I was like, oh, damn, right? Like it sort of kicks you in the gut because you're like, I should have known this, but I didn't. Because oftentimes we can't know something until we walk through it and we learn the lessons that we needed to learn. And then we have information that we didn't have before. And chances are, if you've never lived through experiences that will make the things I'm about to say really resonate, then maybe you hear stuff today and it's not going to make sense until later. But if you have lived through experiences that track with the topics I'm going to discuss, I feel like you're going to hear things that you're going to be like, oh gosh, yes, I know this lesson or hey, I needed this reminder. So that's the intention today. I'm going to go ahead and jump in. The first harsh truth I wish I had known sooner. The life you are living today is a direct result of the choices you made a year ago. Woo! I actually just shared this on Instagram threads. Is that what we call it? Do we call it Instagram threads or do we call it threads? I am I'm super confused. I think I've posted on there like three times because I'm not totally hip with what I'm supposed to be doing. But I shared this morning this idea as I was pulling together today's show, which is no matter how many times I am reminded of this truth, every single time I hear it, it kicks me in the gut. The life you are living today is a result of decisions you made a year ago. And I would even say you can kind of go back and forth in time. You can say 
The life you are living today is the result of decisions you made three years ago. The life you are living today is the result of decisions you made six months ago. But the crux of that lesson is we are living a life based on the choices we made in the past. Now, sometimes that's awesome for me, right? I I think of right now in life, I feel like, okay, I'm feeling really good. I'm taking care of myself, my health. I feel like I'm showing up as the mama I want to be. I feel like I'm showing up for you guys the way that I want to. And those are directly tied to making a shift in mindset, making a shift in intentionality six or nine months or a year ago, right? So sometimes I hear this and I'm like, oof, yes, good job, Rach. The work that you're putting in is really starting to flourish. Congratulations. But then other times I hear this truth and it bums me out because I'm like, yeah, the stuff that you're frustrated about is based on decisions you keep making. And those decisions keep being made because you didn't make a harder choice in the past. And when I realize that, when I realize that things I'm frustrated with right now are because of me, (laughs) it bums me out and also super inspires me. It's like you are the problem and therefore you are also the solution. So if you hear that truth, the life you're living today is a result of the decisions you made a year ago, and you feel like kind of bummed by that reality, then you have this beautiful opportunity to understand that today you can begin to make decisions that will alter the life you get to live tomorrow. The second harsh truth I wish I had known sooner is you do not get what you want. You get what you expect to receive. Those of you who have joined me for podcast tour heard me talk about this a lot. This concept of the Pygmalion effect is the idea that we as human beings rise to the level of expectations. The expectations placed on us by other people, but also the expectations that we put on ourselves. Whoever you believe you are at your core will result in the actions you take or don't take and the way that you show up in the world. So you can dream about things all day long. You can dream about what it would be like if you had this, that, or the other thing, or if you had your dream job or your dream partner, but you don't get what you want, you get what you expect. You get what you believe that you're worth. So if you keep finding yourself in situations that suck, that are hard, if you keep unintentionally aligning with people who are jerks, if you keep sort of going like, ah, why do I, why do these things keep happening? It's because you think on some deep and subconscious level that that is what you deserve. Another thing I talk about during the show is this idea that if you want to truly change your life, it's not about raising the ceiling. It's not about giving yourself more ideas, more hopes, more aspirations. If you want to change the trajectory of your life, you don't raise the ceiling, you raise the floor. You set new standards. Even if you have a hard time believing that you are worth X, Y, and Z, you stick a flag in the ground and you say, you know what? Even if in my heart of hearts, I don't yet fully trust and lean into this being true, in 
my head, I know that it's accurate. And so I am going to say, I will never go back down past this level. A really simple example of this is any of you who are entrepreneurs. When I was a wedding planner so long ago, 20 years ago, God, that's wild. When I was a wedding planner and I wanted to grow my business, it took me a couple of years to have the courage to raise my prices. There's all sorts of studies that show that most small businesses charge something like three or four times less than they actually should be charging. And I definitely was that person. So I had a really hard time changing my rates, but I understood that every year that passed, I was doing somewhere between 30 and 50 weddings. I was taking on way too much, by the way. But I was doing somewhere between 30 and 50 weddings, so I was getting a ton of experience. So that's what gave me the courage to decide, okay, January 1st of every year, I am raising my rates, period. And even if it felt scary, and even if I was positive that people were gonna stop using my services, I still committed to raising those rates on January 1st. And I took the chance that I was worth more before I believed that I was worth more. And just as a side note for anybody who is a small business owner, whenever I meet new people who have businesses, I it's like I if I know you for five seconds, I'm like, raise your rates, raise your rates, charge more, charge more. And they're like, oh, I don't know. I, you know, I have so many clients right now. And if I raise my rates, I won't have as many. And I'm like, I know that's the point. You will actually do less work which hopefully means that your cup gets filled back up. You have more energy, more creativity to give to the clients that you have. You'll be doing less work, better work, and making more money. I went off on a tangent, but it's still true. You don't get what you want. You get what you believe you are worth. So you have to change the belief before you're going to start to attract the things that you truly want in this life. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb. 
Host. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. The third harsh truth that is sort of along the same lines as what you expect is that the people in your circle, if you love them, if you admire them, if you can't stand them, if you hate them, no matter what the situation is, no matter who they are or how they showed up in your life, you are what brought them there. Lovers, friends, bosses, we attract what we are. We attract what we are. And it is a harsh reality to have a friend, a partner, a, a coworker, whatever, that we have somehow attached ourselves to that we know is not great. And it's a harsh reality to understand that there is something in us that brought them there. Maybe that's your own insecurity. Maybe that's you not understanding your worth. Maybe that's a part of you that needs to be healed. Maybe it's someone that you attracted into your life when you were at a completely different stage. Maybe you attracted that person five years ago and you just haven't had the courage to release them as you evolve and grow and sort of move up the ladder, even though you know that this person is not great for you. But it is such a bummer to know that all the stuff in life that we are complaining about inside our own head or to our partner is there because of us. It, oh, it is such a kick in the teeth that either we're not standing up for ourselves, we're not speaking our truth, we're not showing up authentically, or we're just allowing things to be there that shouldn't be there. Whatever it is, you brought them in. Now, if you can look at the amazing relationships you have in your life, the beautiful people, you know, whether those are relationships in process or maybe they're in healing or maybe they're growing or they're brand new or they're 20 years old or it's with your mama, like whatever it is, all the good stuff, you did that too. And if you have some people in your life that you feel like really aren't great and other people in your life that are awesome, well, analyze those two relationships and ask yourself, okay, how, how did this relationship become so great? Use that information to seek out more great stuff or to water the garden of things that are already working instead of obsessing over the stuff that's not. I heard something recently that said, you know, when you raise your vibration, if you really do it and you really do it with the intention of releasing anything that is not for you, those things will naturally fall away. But they can't naturally fall away if you 
allow yourself to stay attached to people who are no longer serving you. The fourth harsh truth that I didn't know back then that I wish I had is nobody can hold you back but you, period, 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 period. And I have lived through every freaking kind of like, I don't have the right team or I don't have the connections I need. I don't have the resources or I'm a new mom or my partner doesn't support this or like so many of the stories we tell ourselves and maybe you tell yourself, I have lived through those. And in the moment when I'm making up all of the excuses for why they are the problem, I freaking believe it man, I will chain myself to that rock of like, well, I can't do this because I have a toddler or I can't do this because, you know, my partner doesn't support it. And when that's true, people who are trying to fix the situation will work really hard on trying to convince the non-believer to believe. They'll try and convince other people that the idea is worthwhile. They think, oh, I got to change how other people see this situation and then I'll have their support. But they are never the problem. The only thing that needs to shift in that moment is your mindset on the topic. I lived for many years with a partner who was not supportive of what I was trying to do. And then later was very supportive of what I had done. And so lots and lots and lots of people over the years have asked, like, how did you do that? How did you convince him? How did you make? And my answer is always something that's maybe a little bit harsh, but works really well for today's topic. The way that I convinced my partner was not by convincing my partner. The way that I convinced my partner was that I stopped trying to get his approval and I just worked on the dream. I worked on the dream, I worked on the dream, I worked on the dream until the dream was made manifest through my belief, through my effort, through my team who helped me create it. Like all of these things happen. And then suddenly my partner had belief because he could see the evidence. See, so many of y'all are trying to convince someone else to see something they will never be able to see. They do not have your vision. There's so many different personality types in people, and some people can only see what is literally in front of their face. So maybe you're a, a visionary or a dreamer, and you've got this idea, and then you keep trying to get other people to buy in on the vision, and you're like, well, well, well they don't believe in me because it's my fault. They don't believe in me. No, they just don't have belief. All of the people in my life who doubted what I was capable of, if I look at the situation from 50,000 feet, they weren't just doubting me. They didn't have belief in anything. For many years, I made it personal. I was like, oh, they don't believe in me. No, they just don't believe. That has nothing to do with you. There are other situations where I've told myself that they are the problem. Like, let's say like, oh, I'm a mom and I have young children. And so they are why I can't take time for myself. They are why I can't practice self-care. They are why I don't ever go on vacation. They are why my cup is so low. Bullshit. 
It's not their fault. It's yours. Do not blame the things that you don't have on your children. Do not blame that on your partner. Do not blame that on anyone. We have to take full ownership of our experience in this life. And you blaming your family or your kids, oh, like that's just gonna create resentment. Even if that resentment doesn't come out of your mouth, you're gonna feel that in your belly. And I think that's how we get those moms who get more and more bitter as time goes by. And then you have moms that start flipping it on the kids and like, after all that I've done for you, after all that I gave up, right? Some of you maybe had a mama like that or a daddy like that or some aunts like that who gave up things and then blamed it on you, even though you weren't involved in that process at all. Let's not be those people. There are seasons to everything. There are certain seasons when you are not going to be able to pursue things to the fullest extent of your heart. But understand that seasons turn, right? Seasons pass. If this isn't the time to do the dream, it's okay. Maybe this is the season that you're planted in the ground and you're sort of figuring things out and you're stretching and growing. But trust and have faith that the season to bloom, that's coming too. But while you're planted, don't blame other people for the fact that you're not blooming. Because whatever you're doing in this life is your own decision. You cannot control what happens to you, but you can control your reaction to it. The fifth harsh truth that I didn't know, someday is a myth. Someday is a myth and you will waste today betting on it. I think that people are really confused as to why their dreams don't come true. I think that a lot of people are convincing themselves that thinking about doing the dream is them working on the dream. So at the end of tour, I have this Q&A portion and the audience gets to ask questions. And the other night in Toronto, actually, it just so happened that both of the people I chose in the audience had a dream that they had held in their heart for a very long time. And they were talking to me about the dream. But upon further questioning, neither of them had done anything. And it makes me think that it's possible that a lot of you are daydreaming about the dream and talking about the dream and thinking about what it would be like and seeing other people pursue the dream and going, oh, wow, okay, what, what would happen if I did that? But I can't do that and I would look stupid and da, da, da. And you're doing all these things and you think that thinking about it is working on it. And then you give up on the dream that you never even started. Thinking about it is not starting it. That's not one of my harsh truths, but that's a harsh truth. Just daydreaming or having coffee with your girlfriends or talking about what could be is not doing anything. Most people are not ever gonna see the dream come to fruition, not because they fail, but because they never start. 
So you keep telling yourself, well, someday when I have time, someday when the kids are out of school, someday when I have more resources, someday when I have more courage, someday when I am a different person. Remember the first harsh truth that I talked about today? The person you are is a result of decisions you make in the past. So if you want the future version of you to be someone greater in any way than who you are right now, you have to make a different decision right now. You will bet on someday. You will gamble your life on someday being a different person, being the kind of person who has the courage to start the goal, being the kind of person who will actually write the book, being the kind of person who will go back to school, being the kind of person that will start paying off this credit card debt. You keep betting that someday you're gonna be different, but you're not doing anything to change who you are today. Is literally why I have a brand called Start Today. And I know a lot of you have those journals and a lot of you have those products and a lot of you vibe with this idea. It actually makes me super proud that at these events, at these stops, like the, the women who like sneak and find the stage door and wait for me and we like take pictures and hugs and like do the whole thing. It's really freaking cool. They're bringing me their Start Today journal. I am so proud of the books that I've written, but I'm more proud of the thing that I created that allows you to write your own book. And I haven't listened to it forever, so it's super old. But if you're not familiar with that process, we're sold out of products, but you could go back and listen to episode 72. So we're on episode 400 and something, but episode 72. So it's a very old episode. So if I'm talking about stuff that you're like, this doesn't make sense because she's now 40 and has, yeah, just bypass that. But that episode is a really great tool to go listen to. And I guide you through the whole process of the Start Today journal. And you can do it in, in, in any notebook, in any piece of paper that you have. You can do that process without buying anything. But the whole idea is that you are taking control of this day. You're not waiting for someday. The sixth thing, the sixth harsh truth that maybe you don't want to hear, but you need to hear is you are not afraid of failure. Stop saying you are afraid of failure. You're not. You're afraid of other people watching you fail. If I pull 100 people out of 100, this is one of the biggest fears that comes up in my live events. When people stop me at airports, they ask me questions, it's this. It's like, I wanna start my own business. I want to try something new. I want to join a club. I wanna train for a half marathon. I wanna do any of this stuff. But what if I fail? I'm like, well, who? what if you fail? I fail all the time. I fail publicly. I fail privately. I've physically hurt myself. I've lost money. I've been disappointed. But this is life. We're meant to fail. We're meant to try stuff and fail. And in failure, learn what to do better next time. It is only the advent I think almost primarily of social media with other people watching our, you know, beautifully curated, manicured slideshow of life that has convinced us that every single thing that we do is supposed to be perfect and beautiful and successful at all times. Of course you're going to fail. 
So then when I ask people, nine, 10 times out of 10, if we keep going like, what's under that? Okay, well, what's under that? What's under that feeling? What's under that feeling? It always comes down to being afraid of what other people will think if you don't achieve the goal. And if we take it even further, it's usually one person. There's usually one person or one group like, oh, the followers on social media or Marissa from eighth grade or my sister-in-law, my mother-in-law, my little sister who everyone thinks is so perfect and I've never been like her, but I wanna be like her. Like, It's usually one person that we have the most fear about. So at least know what's really going on because confronting harsh truths is about our willingness to to look in the mirror and see what's really there. And in this instance, your fear of failing in front of that other person is only going to make your life more mediocre. Let's just be real. Let's just like, let's just face the truth. You are gonna stay right here, drowning in fear about what a random person is thinking of you And it's going to keep you stuck and it's going to keep you from trying anything. And probably it's also going to make you hate yourself on multiple different levels because there's a part of you that knows that you have more to offer and you're not giving it to the world. That part's going to be pissed. There's the 10-year-old version of you who had a dream of who you could be. She's going to be pissed. There's like the 80-year-old version of you who will look back on her life on her deathbed and be like, yep. You could have done a thing, but we were too chicken shit to try because of someone who probably was not thinking about you at all. I'm going to tell you all what I tell my kids. Nobody is thinking about you. This is a psychological phenomenon. It's called the spotlight effect. It's the belief that we're in the spotlight and everyone's paying attention to what we're doing. It's not true. It's not a real thing. People are not worried about you. They're worried about themselves. And if they are, if there are people who are actively judging you because you want more in life, fuck them. Seriously. Because like, why would you ever respect someone? Why would you ever respect someone who wants human beings to stay exactly as they are? Who wants human beings to never evolve, never try things? I was thinking about this the other day. I had this epiphany. So one thing that I've noticed about social media is that whether it's a celebrity or a small business owner or someone just trying to like do some art, put some photography in the world, be a country music singer, like it doesn't matter what it is. If you have a public facing profile, one thing that I've noticed that the internet loves is to remind you of past failures. It's the internet's favorite thing. You're like, hey, I I am so excited. I'm opening my new bakery. I've worked really hard on this like for the last few years. Like come by, we're giving away free cookies on da 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 You're like talking about something exciting in your life. And the internet's like, yeah, well, I remember when you were first trying to be a baker six years ago and you were working out of your garage and you did my daughter's third birthday party cupcakes and we ordered aqua blue cupcake frosting and you gave us blue, blue cupcake frosting and you suck. Or it'll be like a celebrity who's like, here's my new album. And they're like, yeah, well, 
12 and a half years ago on Twitter, you said that you hated country music, but this album has a little bit of country flair. And so you're a liar and we all know it. It's the internet's favorite thing to do is to remind you of past failures and they use it to manipulate and control you and make you play small. This is nothing new. But what I had an epiphany about, this blows my mind, is this is exactly what bullies do in school. Okay, think about it for a minute. When I was in elementary school or middle school or high school, the school bullies loved to point out the things that you did in the past that were embarrassing, right? So like you'd raise your hand and like speak up in class or whatever, and the school bully would be like, they'd like bring back the nickname that everyone called you in second grade. They'd be like, oh, remember that time that you peed your pants on the field trip when we were seven and like everyone's laughing and you feel this big, even though you are 16 years old and obviously you don't piss yourself anymore, but like it's still somehow the joke. The school bully loved to use this kind of psychological manipulation to get you to be quiet or to say, oh, I see you trying to do something and I'm going to bring you back down to size because you may think you've moved on, but I'm not going to let you. And that shit only works if you keep falling for it. We're going to mess up in this life. And I have messed up so many times. And what I also have to remind myself is that if I got a handful of mess ups in 15 years of doing this work, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And those mess ups that I've had have taught me way more about this life and myself than they will ever affect other people. So if that's part of the journey, and if I believe that the journey is supposed to involve some failures, then I have to accept that and stop using the fear of other people's judgment to control the decisions I'm making right now. The seventh harsh truth that I actually have known my whole life, but just in case you don't know this, I'm going to tell it to you. The reason I've known this one my whole life is because my granddaddy used to say this all the time, and I think it's a really good one for you guys to take on. My grandparents migrated from Oklahoma to Southern California during the Dust Bowl. And if you're familiar with American history, you maybe have some ideas about what it was like for Okies to migrate, how desperately poor they were, how they lived in internment camps, how hard that life was. And I'm really freaking proud of that being my heritage because you will never know their names. The world will never know their names, but I stand on the shoulders of giants. And one giant in particular, my grandpa, used to always say a very oaky expression. And it's a harsh truth that you might need to hear today. He said, sis, you got to piss or get off the pot. Now, what he meant was exactly that. You got to stop screwing around. You got to stop talking about it. You just got to do it. You got to piss or get off the pot. Because like I discussed earlier, this idea that you talking about it is doing the work is a myth. When I was first trying to write books, I made the mistake that so many new authors and new writers make, which is I wrote one chapter of a book, and then every time I sat down to work, 
I would just edit that chapter over and over and over. And sometimes I would start chapter two, but for the most part, I just keep doing the same thing. What I had to learn the hard way was that I was wasting all of my working hours not actually working. The beautiful thing about most goals in life is that if you're being honest with yourself, there's a very linear path, right? You go from A to B. But we confuse ourselves with all of these sidesteps and all of these offshoots because we don't wanna actually do the thing that we need to do. If you wanna write a book, you have to write words. And it's really hard. It's hard to string that many words together and try and have it make sense and fight the demons in your mind that tell you that you're stupid and you have nothing to offer the world and who do you think you are? Like, that's really hard. If you wanna run a marathon, that's hard. That's you versus you. You gotta put one foot in front of the other and it hurts and it's not fun and sometimes it's boring and you have to give up a ton of time, but it's linear. Most goals, if we're honest with ourselves, are linear. So if you know the next right step and 99% of the time you do, it's just that the next right step is hard. If you know the next right step and you're not taking it, then you need to piss or get off the pot. And if you don't know the next right step, well, then that's the next right step is figuring out what the hell you do now. So stop talking about the dream. Stop daydreaming about the dream. Try something. Try something. In business, oftentimes, whether you're an entrepreneur, maybe you're just starting out, or maybe you have your own podcast or your own book, or you're working on something, right? We tend to believe that we're, oh, I need to add a new thing. I'm looking for a new thing. I'm looking, like, how do I, what can I add to the mix? The reality is that you've got to figure out the stuff you're already doing, how do I make that better? Okay, you tried one time to do a thing and it didn't work. Okay, what went wrong? Have the courage to look at it. Make some adjustments. Try again. Okay, you want to run a half marathon, but you've signed up twice and you haven't finished the training. Okay, well, what can you do differently? Maybe you sign up and run with a group of people so you've got some accountability. Maybe you get a running coach. Maybe you start watching YouTube videos. Maybe you fill your media feed with ideas so you get inspired every single day. But stop telling yourself that you don't know what to do when you keep doing the same thing. If you want different results, take different actions. But by God, piss or get off the pot. The next harsh truth that I think I probably keep learning, this might be a lifelong learning for me, is that when you raise your vibration, and if you're not familiar with that term, it means when you start functioning at a higher level, when you have more energy, more passion, more excitement to your life, to your work, to your intentions or your dreams, when you raise that energy level, imagine a radio dial and you were tuned to a certain radio station, you were tuned to a frequency. But then you raised your vibration, right? So you actually raise the dial and are coming in at a different frequency, now you're at a higher level. When you do that, the people in your life will no longer be able to hear you. The people in your life are at the old frequency. And unless they begin to change, unless they begin to raise their vibration, they're not gonna be able to hear you at this new level. That can be a very scary thing because when you raise your vibration, you find yourself alone. 
it takes a minute to find other people who are kind of operating at your new level. And so our fear will try and drive us to turn the volume back down. It will try and drive us to go back to that old frequency because at least this is a life that I know. Or frankly, those people who are still in the old frequency who liked the old version of you better, they will influence you sometimes subconsciously, sometimes passive aggressively, sometimes straight up aggressively. They will say things or do things to try and manipulate you into changing. Because of course they like the old version of you better. I heard a pastor say once, you, it's like you, you were a pigeon and then you just realized you're an eagle. So you started to soar but you can't get very high because you keep trying to go back down to the level of the pigeons. You keep trying to go back down here so that they don't feel uncomfortable about the new thing you have become. But you don't understand that you're never really gonna be able to take flight because you keep hovering at an old level. So just understand it's very normal to change your life for the better and suddenly feel like you've lost your friends. It's not always true, but it is a lot of the time. And it doesn't make them bad and doesn't make you bad, but it's too easy to slip back into old ways of being if you're not conscious of it. So just know that them not understanding or not liking who you are becoming is not justification for you to give up on who you know you are. The ninth harsh truth, listen, listen, this is a relationship one. This is friends, this is lovers, this is coworkers, this is just anything. When someone shows you who they are, believe them, believe them. When someone shows you who they are, that is who they are not the person you make up in your head, not who they tell you they are, but how they behave is the truth. Your actions are representation of who you actually are, not your words. And that took me a long time to learn because I put everybody on a pedestal and I'm a dreamer and I'm loyal and I believe the best in people and I will make up whole freaking stories about who someone actually is and then only see the parts of them that fit into the ideal that I have created in my own mind. And I know for a fact that is how I have attracted some of the worst people into my life is because they liked the way that I saw them. They liked that I idolized them. They liked that I had that vision of them. And when they were with me, they got to be that version because I kept buying into it. It took me so freaking long in so many different cases to see someone for who they truly were. Yeah, I, I think I've told you guys this story before, but I remember at one point post-divorce, I had had several people who I had removed from my life. I had several people who I had known in business and I thought we were friends and I actually saw who they really were. It took me a minute, but I saw who they really were and I removed them from my life. And if I remove someone from my life, I'm done. Like I block you in my phone. 
I it doesn't I have no idea what you're saying to me. I have no idea what you're saying about me. It it that's not my journey. That's not my life. It actually affects me not at all because it, that's what it is. Um, and I remember after I had gotten divorced, my ex talking shit to me about that. Um, just going to be real. And I tried really hard not to get into conversations like this with him, but he was like, oh, you just cut people out of your life. They do something, you just cut them out. And, and it was a, a relationship for a long time where th- him coming at me like that was how to best manipulate me. And I would get very small and I would shut down and I, uh, I would be like, oh my God, I'm such an asshole. Like he's right. I should blah, 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 blah. And in a lot of ways, he was talking about himself. He was talking about himself and he was talking about a group of other people. And he was like, you just like, oh, someone just messes up and then you just, you just don't interact with them anymore. And I'm like, yeah, if you mess up big enough, yeah. Because the thing I know about myself is I will keep giving chances, giving chances, giving chances. But there are some things that when people do them, if you're being, if you're like really trusting your gut and your intuition, someone will finally do something so harsh that it's not like you discovered something new about them. It's like you finally had evidence for the shit your intuition has been telling you about since you met them. This intuition has been screaming at you since you first met that guy, since you first became friends with her, since you first met your brother's wife, since you first interacted with that manager in your company, the very first time you met them, your intuition started screaming that something was wrong. And then you finally encounter enough evidence to trust what you knew all along. So I would have saved myself so much pain and so much time and so much doubting my own self and my own thoughts and beliefs and truths if I had just believed it the first time someone showed me who they were. And can I also say, oh God, this is so, I did not get this. Someone behaving badly to someone else is evidence of who they are across the board. I have had this conversation so many times with people where they go through a big breakup and it was just like two years of hell and all of this stuff. And I'm like, well, when did you know? When did you get the first red flag? And they're like, oh, the very first date, she was rude to the server. Someone behaving badly to other people is how they're eventually gonna behave to you. You just don't see it yet. You are not a terrible person in only certain scenarios. It's across the board. So you're only looking at the parts of your life or their actions that you want to see. When someone shows you who they are, believe them. The 10th harsh truth, and I had like three more, but I'm trying to just keep it down to 10. And this is the last one. And it's maybe the most important and the one I want you to hear. It's not that you're not strong enough. Of course you are strong enough. You are so fucking strong. Think of all of the things that you have lived through. You have lived through so many hard things and only you know the true context of your story and how hard you've had to fight to be here right now listening to this conversation. Of course you are strong enough. 
It is not your lack of courage. It is not your lack of strength that is holding you back. It is your fear. It is your fear. Your fear will keep you stuck. Your fear will hold you here. Your fear will ruin your life. And it won't just ruin your life by not allowing you to truly flourish. It will ruin your life by making you miserable while you are not allowed to truly flourish. And y'all, I do scary stuff all the time. And I don't mean like swimming with sharks or jumping out of an airplane. I mean, trying new stuff is scary. Going on a podcast tour and talking about my period and my pubes, like that's scary. That's very different than what people are expecting. And I'm I'm starting something new. I'm not going into arenas with 10,000 people. I'm going into small theaters with 500 people. And I'm fucking pumped. It's so exciting. And I'm so grateful to be able to try new stuff. And every time I go to do something new, every time I'm going to do a show, I'm sick to my stomach. I'm reminded of this quote by Billie Jean King, which says, pressure is a privilege. Pressure is a privilege. I think about that all the time. The fear that I feel trying to do something new can either completely disable me. Like I can be like, this sucks. I could just be at home. I don't need to do this. I have my podcast. This is great. I could let that fear and the, those feelings in my body, I can allow them to drive me to not try new stuff. Or I can be like, oh, this fear is evidence that I'm trying. This fear kind of feels exciting. I feel alive. I, I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to step forward into this moment. One of my favorite things when I'm about to do something really hard is I just love when the train is leaving the station, meaning I just put myself into a situation where I can't back out. So for instance, the point of not backing out is like I am backstage at a theater in Boston, in Phoenix, in Salt Lake City, in New York. I'm backstage and it's that moment where they're about to start playing my entrance music and they're about to announce me. And it's so terrifying that I'm like, it's too late. The train left the station. So I know that sounds nuts because if you're afraid, it can feel incapacitating. But the truth is, you got to feel the fear and go anyway. You got to be backstage peeing your pants and walk out there and see what happens. You've got to show up on race day and try and run the half marathon. You got to start the new business. And when you fall off track, you got to get up and go again. Your fear will destroy your life. It will. Your courage is what will decide who you become. And there's that quote that says, courage is not the absence of fear. It's the willingness to move forward even feeling the way that you do. Fear will destroy everything. And courage will give you the life of your dreams. Understand that when you first try and do something new, the fear will fill up the entire tank. But the first time that you go scared, the next time you show up, a little bit of that tank is courage. Still 95% fear, but now we've got 5% of courage based on a past decision, 
right? You did the thing and you lived. Next time, 10% of courage. Okay, now we're moving in the right direction. Remember, the decisions we make in the past affect the life we get to have in the future. You keep showing up. You keep doing the thing. You keep moving courageously. Oop, I slipped up. That's okay. That's part of the process. I'm going to fail. People might see it. Who cares? This is me living my dream. Next time, I got 20%. My tank is 20% courage, 80% fear. That's okay. I'm going to keep showing up again and again and again until the tank is almost entirely courage or maybe completely courage in one single area of your life. And when you have courage in one single area of your life, now you have confidence in one single area of your life, this is the foundation that you build on top of. Now you take that same process and you apply it to something new. Now we're gonna look at my health. Now we're gonna look at my business. Now we're gonna look at my relationship. And I'm gonna move forward with fear until I got 5% courage, then 10, then 15, then 20. That's how you build it up. I hope that today's conversation has been helpful. I hope you heard a truth that you needed to hear or you were reminded of something that you needed to hear. And please, 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 the show will always be free to you guys. And the only thing I ask of the community is that you just help me spread the word. If you dug today's episode, will you put it on your social? We you throw it in your stories. Maybe you use threads and you link to it so people can see. Send it to a friend directly if you think that that would be best. A lot of this conversation today was taken from my live event. I'm currently on tour this summer. You can find the latest cities in the show notes. I hope you will come hang out with me. We are having the best time. We would love you to be a part of it. I will be back soon. I'm going on vacation this week, but I did record all new episodes. You guys got all kinds of stuff. But until I see you again, remember, I love you and I'm rooting for you. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble.